LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. On the podcast today, nothing is more exciting than a new book release from Dr. Robbie Gallaty, right? No, <laughs> I guess so. That's not true. I guess so. <laughs> Whoa, the excitement is, I guess is so. brimming well, over the top today. Oh, man. It's hard to get excited about your own book. Well, I'm pretty excited yeah, about I my mean, own you're book. You're excited about it, but I mean, one thing I have not noticed in you is a lot of self-promotion. So uh, so when we're talking about the book today, <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to avoid that as best we can. Oh, man. Because here's the reality. You write a book maybe every six months. Technically, <laughs> technically, yeah, that's technically correct. You, you kind of slowed down last year. Last year, you had a preaching book come out, Preaching for the Rest of Us. Great book. Um, but this year, this book, I read it. I got to read it as you were writing it. I even got to read it before you kind of switched the chapters around and reordered it. True. And I will say, honestly, it is the most readable of all your books. Wow. And then the content. What does that say? <laughs> I don't want to say it's most. Apl- I, they're all good. They're all, let me just say they're oh all my good. Gosh. But this one, I was like, I don't want to stop reading it. Okay. Some That's of the good others, to know. I had to stop. For, the Forgotten Jesus, for instance. I had to stop after a chapter, go back and reread certain sentences and I've think heard through. That. Yeah. It's, I don't want to say it's a deep book. I'm just saying it, there's a lot of contemplation that had to happen yeah. on my part. This book, there's not as much contemplation, but there's just a lot of great application. Well, this book starts with history, because right. you know me, I love history and I love the culture and the context. Sure. You have to have that, I think. Right. But the last half of the book, Chris, is all application. Gotcha. All, all practical. What does this look yeah. like in my life today? And so that's, I'm excited about that. It comes out in late February, mid mid February. Mid February. I'm sorry, mid February. Right around Valentine's Day. I think February 15th. That's is that right. the date? That's right. And uh, it comes out ironically the same day as Candy Gallaty's book, which is out. a cruel trick. Actually, <laughs> that's really a cruel trick that uh, B and H played on. It's kind of like a competition. Not that it's a competition, but I'm envisioning in your household, y'all have a competition going on. Yeah, we already have the scoreboard on the so, wall. And because it's Candy <laughs> and her book, Disciple Her, is going to be coming out the same day. That uh, we're going to go ahead and give her about you know a major head start because hers is going to do way better. We don't even right. we're not even questioning that. That's true. There's no question hers is going to do better than yours. So we give her a little <laughs> bit. You know I don't know what the odds are. I don't know how you do the the number UFC. It'd be like over under over under. So yeah. it would be candy plus four hundred. Yeah, me negative. No, no, it would be the opposite. Right, candy minus four hundred. I think so. Gotcha. Okay. So and then no me, one understands that. Me plus two hundred. <laughs> I'm not even sure what we're talking about right now. I don't know either. But let's go ahead and and tell us the name of the book. Okay. <laughs> Before we get into wow. talking about what the book is okay, about. Okay, so I've got some questions. Oh my god, these are tough questions. You pick a tough topic to write about. Get ready. And for I'm the record, I have not seen these questions. Is that I, I, true? I I don't even know if I've seen them. Oh my god, I'm still thinking. He's about thinking of the questions on the fly. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so the title of the book is called Here and Now, and the subtitle is Thriving in the Kingdom of Heaven Today. Yes. Here's the premise, and uh, I've really been just struck by how many Christians miss this. And really, it's not even your fault if you believe this, because we all have kind of bought into this idea. Mm-hmm. If I were to say to you. Where is the kingdom of heaven, Chris? Is it mm. here and now, or is it there and then? <laughs> because you use the title of the book. 
That kind, kind of a dead, have to take the kind of a dead giveaway. Yes. But I'm going to say this. It's both. It's both. Exactly. Look at you. It's both. But here's been listening. Yeah. But here's I've the thing. The book. It's a both. I've read the book. It is a book. Yeah. You read the book. It's a both. And now, and here's the thing too, about the Eastern culture. One principle that it's important for us to understand is that the Eastern culture thinks with two hands, not with one hand, like we in the Western culture. What do I mean? We like to, in the Western culture in which we live, think in bullet points and outlines yes, and theological the treatises. That's me, yes. That's you. Yeah, that's me too. But the Eastern culture, they don't think in outlines and bullet points. They think in, think in pictures. And they are able to hold two, uh, two things that are apparently in contradiction to one another or uh, against one another and hold that tension together simultaneously. For example. For example. Okay. Did you choose God or did God choose you, Chris? Easy. One of the easy questions. It's the easiest there. one of all I could have come up with. Did you choose God or did God choose you? Based on what you just told me, both. It's a both end. Yeah. If you ask, if you ask an American Christian, we debate right. these theologies, sure. you know, Calvinism, Arminianism, right. predestination, free will. And we fight for that camp the rest of our life. And we build our whole ministry on the camp. Yeah. And that's, and praise God for theology. But what I'm saying is a very Eastern way to think of it, the way Jesus's disciples would have heard it, the way Jesus would have taught it is not an either or. Hmm. It's a both hands. So what you would say is on the one hand, God chose you and God came after you. You didn't choose God. God chose you. Jesus even said that you didn't choose me. I chose you. Many are called, few are chosen. But then on the other hand, you know, choose this day whom you're going to serve or who Mm. you're going to serve. Whoever will come to me uh, at any point. That's something we do. So on the, on the one hand, God chose you. On the other hand, you chose God. And so that's one example. Mm. Let me give you another example. The other example is in the here and now. The idea that the kingdom of heaven is both a present reality, Mm -hmm. but also a future place we go to and a future reality we live in. But for Jesus, that's the question. What did Jesus mean? Mm. You're going to love this. 90% of the time, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven. 90% of the time, he talks about a present reality or a power or a people today. So that leads me to a, a question that I, I don't understand. Okay. I don't have the answer for. I've okay. read the book. I, th- I should understand it. Okay. Um, it's been a few months, though, so I, I need some clarity. Okay. When you say heaven is here and now, and, and I were to say, I'm leading the discipleship group right now, some college guys. Okay. They're, uh, I don't think they're in their 20s yet. They're still in their late teens, Ooh. first year of college, freshmen. Okay. And we're talking about experiencing God's kingdom today. Okay. What does that practically look like in the life of a disciple? Like, do I wake up and say, okay, I'm in the kingdom today. I'm going to, I'm going to live as if I'm in the kingdom today because I am in God's kingdom. Am I bringing the kingdom? Am I experiencing kingdom living? What is that? We're using that term, but what does that really mean? How does that practically play out in our life? Okay, so we don't understand. This is a great question. And the people asking this in your group are probably influenced just like everyone else is influenced. So we don't understand this because we live in a democracy, not a monarchy. Hmm. Okay, and here's the difference. If we were to live in England, we were to we would live in, in a sense, a kingdom of England run by a queen. Yeah. Okay. Or a king, if you imagine this back then, a queen or a king who leads. Okay. The people who live in that environment, in that country are called what? It's a word we don't use very often. It starts with an S. They are called, uh, not servants. No, that and we have right. in the studio, Mr. Andrew Finney joining us Mr. today. Andrew Finney may know he is replacing Dylan Young. Who's out on, we need, we need an answer out on an adventure. That That's correct. What Do you are have an answer? Called what are people called in, in England? 
in a kingdom starts with an S. Subject. 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 I was going to say it, but I felt like I, Who knew? I might be wrong. His first time here, second time here, and he 100%. gets it. 100%. He's so never far. missed a question okay. yet. Okay, so here's the deal. They're called subjects, okay? Yes. Now, we don't use that word, and we don't understand that word. That means this. You are, yes, born into the kingdom, mm-hmm. and you, are, you have all the rights and the privileges of the kingdom, mm. but at the same time, you willingly subject yourself to the rule and the reign of the kingdom. If the queen says these are the parameters to which you live by, you're going to live a blessed life in the kingdom. Now, you have the option to live outside of the bounds of the kingdom. Hmm. You have the option to reject the kingdom. You have an option to live like you want. Now, you can do that. You'll still be a citizen of the kingdom, but you're going to experience punishment and you're going to experience Hmm. difficulty and you're going to experience trial and tribulation. So... Jesus, in a very similar way, set up a kingdom. He inaugurated the kingdom, which I talk about in the book, when he came. Remember John the Baptist, uh, or Jesus says, the kingdom breaks in by force or forcefully. Mm. That's a very uh, difficult passage, but a misunderstood passage, and I talk about it in the book. He's not talking about we have to grab it by force and overcome people by submission, by salvation. It's not what he's talking about. What Jesus is talking about there is that the kingdom is breaking in now, Mm. and he's making a connection to an Old Testament passage because he's here. So the kingdom inaugurated at his coming. Remember, Jesus says, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is what? Near. Near, not tomorrow, not in the future. And when he's talking about near, he's not just talking spatially, like it's around. He's talking, it's a reality. Okay, Mm. It's It's not in the near future. It's not just talking time. It's near. It's coming soon. Yes. He's, he's t- saying it's physically yes. near. Yeah. Why? Because he's there for one, mm-hmm. but it's this power, this reality to live in today. So how do we live in the kingdom today? We follow the rule and the reign, or we follow the, the ways under the rule and the reign of King Jesus. Mm. So we say this all the time, but we don't understand what we're saying. We say, is Jesus both savior and Lord of your life? Right. You can't say no and and have Jesus be Lord of your life. If you're a servant to a master, mm-hmm. when the master says, Chris, I want you to do X, yeah. there's no no in your vocabulary. Mm. You can't say no. Right. That's why I misunderstood passage in the Psalms. Remember this passage? The fool says in his heart, here's a great example. The fool says in his heart, there is what? No God. No God. Okay, we've heard that before. That's not what the passage actually says. That's the interpretation of the translator. Mm. Okay? If you go back and look at that passage in the Hebrew, there is no is supplied. There is is supplied by the translator. The actual Hebrew Hebrew says, the fool says in his heart, no, God. Mm. And if you look at the rest of that passage, I think it's Psalm 14, but if you look at the rest of that passage, what it's talking about is, Things that you do. Hmm. The fool says in his heart, no God. So what is he saying? Uh, Only a fool would say to Lord and King God, no. No God. I'm not going to do that. No God. I'm not going to go there. 
Okay, so basically this idea of what I'm trying to get fly in the face of is, is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer did many years ago with the cost of discipleship. And I'm trying to really update that book, although it's really hard to kind of add to that, <laughs> right, obviously. Right. But but basically, I finished the entire book with a practical session on the Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. OK, um, and I just give some practical ways. Now, a lot of people have misunderstood the Sermon on the Mount, because what people do in the Sermon on the Mount is they think it's just some pie in the sky reality that's going to take place in the millennial reign when mm-hmm. Christ returns or there's nobody who can live like this. Thank God Jesus did. Since he did, we don't have to. Right. But when we come back, what I want to do is return to why I think that's incorrect. And we will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Have you been looking for a way to train your church to make disciples? Our team here at Replicate, Robbie Gallaty, Candy Gallaty, Tim LaFleur, Gus Hernandez, and myself, Chris Swain, have put together a digital discipleship blueprint. We've taken our live event that thousands have attended, thousands have been impacted by, and we put it together so that you can get it and watch from the comfort of your own church and show this to your people and use it as a training tool. You will learn how to plan, formulate, and develop a disciple-making culture in your church and its ministries. You can check it out at replicate.org slash buy blueprint, B-U-Y blueprint, replicate.org slash buy blueprint. If you'd like to check out the digital discipleship blueprint. And we're back with Pastor Robbie Gallaty. You've been talking about the practical implications of living in the kingdom of t- today. So yes. I asked the question, what does it really mean, though? We say we're living in the kingdom. We're experiencing kingdom living. And I feel like that's a really church word. You know, <laughs> what does that really mean for us? And so you explain that we are subjects in the kingdom of heaven, yeah. kingdom of God. And and I know there's a there, there's an explanation in the book as to, to the, those two different terms. But you were walking through, and you, we left off on you talking about the Beatitudes yeah. and how those impact uh, what our life looks like living in the kingdom. Yeah, and let me make one uh, point of clarification. Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are synonymous. Uh, there's a, a, There's been a lot of ink uh, wasted, in my opinion, on trying to explain when Jesus says kingdom of heaven, he means this, and when he says kingdom of God, he means this. That's not what, he, what I think is happening. The reason we have this phrase kingdom of heaven, it's found in Matthew 32 times, the kingdom wow. of heaven. It's not used in any other book of the gospels. So the gospel writers, Mark and John and Luke, don't use kingdom of heaven, they use kingdom of God. So here's the question. Why would Matthew use kingdom of heaven? Matthew. Who is his audience? That's a good question. Gentile or Jew? Jew. Jew. Matthew quotes more of the Old Testament in his gospel than any of the other ones Mm. combined. Okay, he is thoroughly Jewish. He knows the festivals and the feast days. He knows the culture and the context. And Matthew is a devout Jewish man who has a high respect for God in that culture. And they taught us this in in seminary, Chris, when we used to read the Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Okay, they taught us in seminary. When you get to the word Yahweh, you don't ever mention the word Yahweh. You actually insert the word Yahweh with the Hebrew word Adonai. Mm. which is where we get the word Lord. Okay? okay. So when you get to a phrase, now, if you're in the book of Ezekiel or Jeremiah, when there's a lot of Yahweh's, you're constantly inserting <laughs> Adonai, Adonai. And here's the reason. The, the Jewish people had such a high regard for the name of God, mm-hmm. they wouldn't even mention the name of God. You, in fact, you see this today. You ever see in a Jewish culture, they'll put G-D? Yes. You ever see that? I've seen it many times. Okay. So that's a high respect for the word of God. Now, we see this in the prodigal son encounter. 
Remember the story of the prodigal son. He sins against his father. He takes the inheritance. Mm-hmm. He goes, he finds yes. himself in a pig's pen. He comes to his senses, the text says, and he says these words. I have sinned against both heaven and my father. Mm. Now, how, how do you sin against heaven? Yeah. Like you can't sin against the, a dimension or, yeah. or a realm <laughs> right. that you enter into. Never thought of that. Yeah. So what he's saying is he is Jewish. So what he's saying is I've sinned against God and my father. Heaven is synonymous for God. And so when you see kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. Okay. Here's the Beatitudes. I'm going to give you one insight from the book. There's a lot more, but okay. I'm going to give you one insight that has changed the way I view this concept of the kingdom of heaven. Okay. okay? When I come to the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, which I said earlier, is not just a pie in the sky, hopeful that one day I may be able to live partially like this. Jesus not only gave a model to live by, he expected his disciples to live this way. Mm. Counter-cultural to the world. He begins the Beatitudes with this phrase that he bookends those eight first Beatitudes with. Here's what he says. Blessed or blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Okay, verse three. Then he gets there in the verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He bookends, Chris, the Beatitudes with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, why would he do that? To, to talk about how we're experiencing it as we live it out. Yes, what he's saying is, and you're on it today, you had questions for me and I got questions for you. You <laughs> oh, see how that works? You see how that oh, works? Yeah. You should see Chris's face when headlines. I start turning those questions on. <laughs> so here's the deal. Jesus is saying this right here, these attitudes to be in, are, are a picture of the kingdom of heaven today. When you're in this state you're in a sense experiencing the benefits mm-hmm. of the kingdom. Now, here's the challenge. The challenge is what does the word blessed mean? Blessed. Now, the Holman Christian Standard Bible tried to update or smooth the translation to make it more accurate to what the original word makarios means, which is blessed, okay. or happy. And the Holman Christian Standard Bible years ago came out with how happy are those who are poor in spirit, or happy are those who mm. mourn, happy are those uh, who, who are peacemakers, okay. right? But the challenge is they took a lot of flack for that because yeah. we in American society, culture, Western culture, yeah. we have hijacked the word happy to mean sure. something you purchase or a place you go happiness. or yeah, you buy happiness. But that's right. not that's not uh, that's not the reality. OK, so here's the reality. That word uh, makarios, blessed, mm-hmm. um, doesn't just mean happiness. It, it means flourishing. Mm. I read a commentary. This is an amazing book, by the way, if you haven't read this. One of my favorite commentaries on the Sermon on the Mount by a guy named Jonathan Pennington. Dr. Pennington is a professor at Southern Seminary. And basically, he wrote a commentary called Human Flourishing in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, And he states, and I think he's correct here. It's so amazing to think this way, that blessed is a state of being. Or I'm sorry, blessed is the divine favor of God. Okay. So when you say I'm blessed today, that means something happened to you that you didn't deserve out of the ordinary. You didn't do yeah. anything to yeah. earn it, didn't deserve it. But what he said is flourishing is a better translation. Flourishing or the poor in spirit. Flourishing are those oh, wow. who mourn. Flourishing are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Another way to say it is prospering. 
Yeah. Prospering, okay, are those. Now, here's why that's different. Prospering is not just a state of being that you're in as a kingdom citizen. I love this. Prospering is an invitation. Flourishing is an invitation to the audience to not only do it because it's the right thing to do and live this way because it's the right way to live, but it's an invitation, a motivation to live this way. So it's very different than what we normally say. Mm -hmm. Because most commands by Jesus are voluntary. Yeah. Voluntaris, you know, that like you should do this because it's the right thing to do. That's not what the Sermon on the Mount is. Jesus is actually, watch this, go back and read it. The whole sermon is this way. Jesus is actually inviting his audience into this running narrative of the kingdom of heaven that God's been writing since the beginning of time. And what he's saying is this, join me in this way of living because the blessing is the way of living. And here's what I want you to understand. The blessing is not, although there is a blessing, God says, if you do this, I'll do this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to give to you. Blessed are those who mourn, if you mourn over your sin, then you're going to be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you do that, I'm going to satisfy you. There is a blessing. Yeah. And yes, there is motivation for the blessing, but here's what Jesus shows us. The joy and the satisfaction of being kingdom citizens is not the end, although that's it. Right. It's the means by which you get there. Hmm. So what he's saying is the joy is being poor in spirit. The joy is being humble. Hmm. The joy is is seeking after God. The joy is in the journey, not right. the destination. So it's not, hey, one day I'm going to get to heaven when I die, although that's good. But here's the challenge, and this is the premise of the book, and I'll close here. Most Christians have bought a bag of goods mm. that have told them, get saved at an early age, say a prayer, and say, aha, at the right places. We pat you on the back and we say, suck it up. We'll see you in 75 years in, in heaven. <laughs> And the example I used was like my kids. One of the yeah. greatest experiences of my kids was when we woke them up in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. 4.30 a.m. and said, kids, we're going to Disney World. Well, I've got one question after we mention the fact that we are part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network and we are partnering with great podcasts like New Churches Q&A. It's a podcast co-hosted by our friends, Daniel M., Ed Stetzer, and Todd Atkins. These guys are prolific with podcasts. They crank them out day and night and they're all good. That's what's amazing. Not that they have a lot, good. but that they're good. Yes. So check out this podcast. They're going to answer your questions on church planting, uh, multi-site, um, multiplying, leadership development, discipleship, all, all the topics that are relevant uh, to new churches. So check out New Churches Q&A with our friends that are also members of the Podcast Leadership Network. So my final question is this, and we've got very little time. Is it blessed or is it blessed? Hmm. Or is it the answer? On the one hand, it's blessed. On it the depends other hand, on if you get to go now or later. <laughs> if, if if you get to experience the kingdom of heaven now, it's blessed. That's if right. you have to wait, it's blessed. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.